Hello, Gathering Place family, family of God, and all of those who are tuning in, maybe for the first time. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gathering Place Church, and it's great to have you with us today. We are in a series that I'm really excited about, simply called Jesus. The reason is the world, as you know, is going crazy, but Jesus is Jesus. And I'm telling you right now is the time to draw nearer and nearer to him. He's calm. He's full of wisdom. He's not anxious. He's not freaking out. And the closer you get to him, the more calm you will be. And so we are in the middle of a series called Jesus. And I pray those of you who call yourselves Christ followers are experiencing more peace because you're drawing closer to him. For those of you who haven't come to him yet, I pray you will come to him today. The first thing that you're going to experience is peace. I promise you that. All the years that I've been preaching and seeing people come to Christ, the first thing they say they experience, the minute, the second they receive Jesus into their heart is peace, a peace they've never known before because it's the peace of Jesus. But do you know that Jesus has not only called you to peace, he's called you to something beyond that. Do you know that when Jesus calls you into his kingdom, he doesn't call you into boredom? (laughs) You know, I meet so many believers that are bored in their relationship with Jesus. Well, I, I question not that they're saved, but what's your relationship with Jesus like? Because the reality is, Jesus has called you and I to an adventurous faith. Jesus was the most radical revolutionary the world has ever seen. In fact, our calendar is is centered on his life. Jesus came to the earth from heaven as a rebel. But he did not rebel against God, obviously. He was rebelling against the devil. He was rebelling against the the fallenness of, of our world. He he was a he was a rebel against oppression, lust, greed, pride, jealousy, the works of Satan harming people, all of Satan's uh, regime and minions. He was a rebel against sin, sickness, disease and death and guess what? He won. He destroyed Satan at the cross, broke death hell in the grave and then rose from the dead. And now he is in heaven, having made a way for you and I to get from here to there. But you know what? In the meantime, he hasn't called us just to sit back and wait for his return. He has called us to occupy until he comes. That's what the word of God says. Just like Jesus literally turned the world upside down. Now, from a world's perspective, he turned the world upside down. But actually, he turned it right side up. Like, for instance, when he says to his disciples, I mean, they all thought Jesus was going to be the next political ruler. Think about that. They thought Jesus, the Messiah, their their frame of mind was he was going to overthrow Caesar, take off the oppression of the Roman government from the Jews, and he was going to rule and reign as the next emperor. And they were going to be part of his cabinet. But you know what Jesus said to him one day? Look, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom's different than the kingdoms of this world. This world has it upside down and backwards. And then he said this to him, that the rulers of this world lord it over their subjects, but it will not be so among you. For whoever wants to be greatest among you in heaven's eyes 
must become servant of all. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, the Son of God, said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. That's how you turn the world upside down, or should I say you turn the world right side up. The early disciples did this in the book of Acts. That was their reputation. They said, these men who have turned the world upside down, actually, they were just turning it right side up. That's what you and I are called to do. And it takes adventurous faith to be able to do that. So that's what we are going to look at today. But I want to remind you as we jump into this, you have not been called to something, but to someone. You have not been called to a program, but to a person. You have not been called to religion, but to a relationship with the son of the living God. Now, Jesus coaches us and trains us up as we follow him, the greatest revolutionary there's ever been in adventurous faith. We're going to look at a story in the Bible today as an example for all of us to see Jesus doing this with his first followers. And let's apply it to our lives because now he's coaching us up to also live with adventurous faith. So we're going to read a story in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. Let's start in verse 22. Immediately after this, the after this, Jesus just multiplied bread for thousands of people. It's just a handful of, uh, of bread and fish. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray, and the night fell while he was there alone. I'm going to give a little side note here, and that is recognizing that after Jesus sent his disciples away, because you guys go get in the boat, and we're going to do something on the other side of the lake. By the way, it was a healing revival, and they're going to run into trouble from here to there. He gave them his word, go to the other side, and in the midst of fulfilling or obeying the word of Jesus in their lives, they run into serious obstacles. But if they can get through it on the other side, they're going to be blessings, and that's a lesson for you and I. But after he sent them away, then he sends the crowds away. Then it says, Jesus went by himself and prayed. Do you realize that Jesus needed to pray too? Though he was God, the Bible says he stripped himself of all divine privileges when he came down to the earth because he had to come down as a 100% human being to be able to take our place and for it to be equitable, for it to be a real substitution. A real human being had to take the place of human beings who had rejected God. He was called the second Adam. Just like Adam failed the first time in obeying God, Jesus succeeded the second time in obeying God, but he did it for you and I. He lived a perfect life for you and I. Then he allowed himself to be the sacrifice for sin, for you and my sin, so that his righteousness then gets accredited to us. Our unrighteousness was accredited to him. And then he died and he took it to the grave. Then he broke the power of death, rose from the grave, and now sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting for us to join him in heaven forever. <laughs> That's called the gospel, by the way. But in his human form, he needed to pray. Do you realize that's where his power came from? Was his prayer time with the Father. 
I'm going to give you a little throwaway line here. So I'm going to give it to you for free. But this is a good one. Long, private, persevering prayers produce short, powerful public prayers. That's why Jesus could just cast out spirits with the word. He spent so much time in prayer with the Father that he would come out and be in public and he would just cast spirits out with the word, heal people with the word. It's those private prayers that produce powerful public prayers. We're going to keep reading on here. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far from the land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. The first thing I want to pull out of this text is how Jesus came to them. We saw this in our first message on walking with Jesus, these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, a town in Jerusalem, and they were confused. They were disheartened. Their dreams were shattered. They thought Jesus was the Messiah. And in their, in their depression, Jesus found them and started walking along the side of the road with them. Jesus does the same with you and I. In this COVID situation, this quarantine, and people having lost loved ones, and people getting COVID, and losing businesses, and, 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 and uh, suicide ideation, and actual suicides, and I mean, uh, it, is, it is really brutal. Jesus comes to you. It says that he came to them at 3 o'clock in the morning. So often in the middle of the night when you wake up and you're panicking, Jesus is there. Connect with him. Know that he's there. He comes to you. When you can't reach him, he will reach you. That's our Jesus. And he came walking on the water. Oh, come on now. He didn't have to do that. What's, what's he doing? He could have taken another boat. He could have hitched a ride. He comes walking to them on water. Why do you think he did that? I think he was coaching them up. I think he was revealing to his first followers again and again and again. I'm not just another banana in the bunch, boys. I'm just not another rabbi. I'm just not another prophet. I am the Lord of all creation. And he will do the same thing to you and I over and over and over again. He'll keep revealing himself to us over and over until we end up like they were at the end of this passage. We'll see. They cried out, you truly are the son of God. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, it was, I mean, it was, it was radical. I mean, I, I knew he was the Christ, but about six months into it, I hit a cold front. That's what I call it. I see it happen in new believers all the time. As soon as you give your life to Christ, it, it's, he, he makes it so obvious who he is. But then after about six months or so, all of a sudden it's like all the emotions gone, all the thrill is gone, you know, the, the honeymoon's over. And, uh, and then you just start to doubt. You start to wonder, is this all emotion? Was this real? And then I remember I was... Uh, getting up to go to school. I was in college, and uh, I, I turned on the television, and it was a Christian program, and somebody was giving their testimony about Jesus, and I don't know why, but man, that testimony broke me. I remember weeping on my mom's living room carpet 
about my doubt, having doubted him and that this truly is real. And it broke me through. And I have been walking with him ever since. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the revelation that you must have to walk with Jesus, the revelation that he truly is the son of God. But Jesus will continually come to you and I and reveal himself over and over and over until we truly believe in him and believe in him, not that he's the son of God, but believe in him for every trial and tribulation you face in life, including right now, what our country's going through, what you're going through. Jesus is walking on the water and he's calling you to come to him. And we're going to see this as we move forward. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's our Jesus. I love it in the Greek. It actually is the I am. This is Jesus using the same terminology that he's used before. I am before Abraham was I am. It's the same uh, Hebrew term that God used when he was speaking to Moses, when he says to Moses, go deliver my people from Egypt. And Moses said, who should I say sent me? And God said, I am that I am. Jesus is standing on the water right in front of their trial. Right in the middle of the chaos. He says, don't fear. Take courage. I am. And so. What happens? Then Peter called to him. Don't you love Peter? <laughs> Peter, man. You know, I mean, he's a little presumptuous. He's a little cocky. He's out there. You know, he, he kind of like does, doesn't wait for anybody else. You see this, you see him when you read the Bible and you see Peter, he's just, you know, he's precocious, you know, and, and uh, there he is in the, in the boat. They're freaking out. I mean, they think they're going to die. These are fishermen. They know what big waves mean. I mean, they thought this is the end of our lives. We're following Jesus. We were just with Jesus. Hey, Jesus is the one that told us to go to the other side. We're just doing the will of God. Like Paul, he had a dream that he was supposed to go to Macedonia and preach the gospel. He ends up beaten and imprisoned. Just doing the will of God. Hey, if you think coming to Jesus and just doing the will of God is going to mean it's all going to be smooth, it's glass, and there's not going to be trials and tribulations, you just, you, you, your definition of Christianity is not right. You, 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 when Jesus calls you, you become a threat to the powers of darkness. You, you become a threat, the only threat to Satan and his regime are followers of Jesus because we carry Jesus' as authority. So he's going to attack. That's what the armor of God is in Ephesians chapter six. Hey, check out my, my daily vlogs at noon, Monday through Thursday. I do a little three to five minute vlog on, on Gathering Place uh, Facebook. And today, this week, we're, just today, I was talking about the armor of God. I mean, why would God give you his armor, his armor, if you were not going to be in a battle? You got you to suit up, man, and you can win every battle if you are suited up but you got to at least know you're in a battle not get all confused about so now they're in the middle of the of the ocean and jesus told us to go to the other side did he not know about the storm i thought he was the son of god doesn't he know everything why are we in trouble and then here comes jesus <laughs> right in the middle of their crisis the apostle paul they started worshiping at midnight paul knew that the christian life also includes suffering in fact the bible says that jesus told paul 
He told Paul the things he was going to have to suffer for his namesake. He told Paul ahead of time. And yet what happened? Because Paul knew that. Paul knew what to do in the midst of it. It says he and Silas just began to sing worship songs at midnight to God in prison. And all of a sudden there was this earthquake and all the prison doors came open. Not just Paul's and Silas's. All the prison doors came open. That's revival. And then the jailer was going to kill himself. But Paul said, hey, don't kill yourself. And the jailer took him home, cleaned his wounds. The jailer and his whole family got saved and baptized. And that's how the Philippian church was birthed. You see? And so here they are in the middle of the storm, and Jesus comes to them in the midst of the storm. Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come walking on the water. (laughs) Isn't that great? Oh, Peter. Peter's catching on to this. He's like, wait a minute. If Jesus can do it, I can do it. I'm waiting for the penny to drop. Jesus can do it. You can do it. Say, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Jesus even said this. Greater works than I have done, you will do. Anything you ask the Father in my name, I will do it. Do you know that later people actually got healed by Peter's shadow? We don't even see that happening in Jesus's ministry. Peter raised the dead. Jesus did that too, but Peter raised the dead. Look, this is a blue-collar fisherman. This guy was untrained in in, uh, biblical things. He didn't have a theology degree. He was a fisherman, and Jesus said, I like him. He's kind of cocky. Come on, follow me. I'm going to teach you how to walk on water, Peter. Peter. If Jesus can do it, Peter could do it. If Peter can do it, you can do it. Yeah, that's the truth. Jesus has called you to adventurous faith. And Jesus didn't rebuke him. He didn't say, how dare you try to assume that you could operate at my level? No, Jesus loved it. Do you realize, do you know the story right before this one was Jesus multiplying the bread for thousands of people? Do you know in that story, they came, Philip came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we got thousands of people here and they're all really hungry. How are we going to feed them? And you know what Jesus said to Philip? He didn't say, well, you all know I'm the son of God, so I'm going to do a miracle here. No, you know what he said? You feed him. Oh, he was giving Philip the opportunity. That could have been Philip's story. But Philip was thinking in his natural mind. Jesus is trying to train his first followers about kingdom possibilities. And that's what he's trying to do with you and me, too. Right now, in the midst of this crisis we're in in our country, it's a boy, multifaceted crisis. The darkness, the chaos, the violence, the economy, all of that. You and I could be shining brighter than ever. What would Jesus be doing right now? Loving unconditionally, healing the sick, bringing wisdom to the table. I mean, his divine perspective, his power that he brought to The world in the first century, he's calling you and I to bring the exact same kingdom to our world in the 21st century. Boredom, I don't know what kind of Christianity you signed up for. I signed up for the walking on water kind of Christianity. That's what Jesus is calling you to. So let's see what happens here. Well, I want to make this note before we see what happens. Peter was learning that he needed it to be the will of God for him to do the supernatural. 
He said, Jesus, if it's you, okay, no other spiritual leader, no other religious leader, no other rabbi, no other prophet, nobody. Jesus, if it's you, call me to come walk on the water. You see, he knew it had to be Jesus, and it had to be Jesus' word. And he said, if I got Jesus and I've got Jesus' word, whatever he says is possible. That's where you and I need to get to. Here's the equation. Ready? God's word plus your faith equals a miracle. God's word in your life plus your faith mixed with it equals a miracle. In this situation, Jesus spoke to Peter. You got Jesus, and now you got Jesus' word. And what happens? Jesus says, yes, come. Oh, man, how exciting is that? Oh, my gosh. I remember your testimony, Josh. I got our worship pastor right here with us, and Jesus called he and Daryl Lee out to California from Massachusetts, right? Connecticut. Same, yeah, real close. They're pretty close, right? They're close. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh, it, that, that was their walking on water. That was their walking on water, and they are here. And they are in the smack middle of God's will. And God has done so much in their lives. And they took that risk from the East Coast. That's what I should have said. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Jesus was there. Jesus gave Peter his word. And Peter walked on water. Now, this, is a, this isn't just a cool Bible story. This is an example for you and I. You say, yeah, but that's Peter. No, 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 don't do that. Peter's had his turn, and he, he had a great run, but he's in heaven. Now it's your turn. You say, well, you tell me Jesus has called me to walk on water. I've known people that actually have tried to walk on water based on this. No, if Jesus has called you to walk on water, then you could walk on water. But I don't know why he would unless... You're in a storm and he shows up and you have this exact same scenario. It's not about walking on water, you know, physical water. What is your walking on water moment? What is Jesus calling you to that is your walking on water? I mean, think about all the other guys. They're, they stayed in the boat, you know. They stayed back and watched. They're the bored Christians. Peter asked. Jesus didn't just call Peter. Some are just waiting for Jesus to tell them what to do. Peter saw Jesus doing it and said, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> and Peter asked. He asked to come up higher. He asked to go into the supernatural. Ask Jesus. That's how you break out of boredom. That's how you become a world changer, a difference maker. And you know what? The world needs you right now to be a difference maker. Jesus woke me up one morning a number of months ago that said it's never been a better time for you to shine. The world has this darkness covering it right now. You as a believer could shine more brightly now than ever. Just be a peacemaker. The Bible says the peacemakers shall be called the children of God. See, Satan's about division. Jesus is about unity. You could be a peacemaker. You could forgive those who have hurt you. That's your walking on water. Just let him go. No. All right, sit in the boat. Be bitter. Let that control the rest of your life. They're still controlling you. Sit in the boat. 
quench the Holy Spirit, not be interested in the Bible, not much in church, don't have kingdom mentality, letting that bitter become a root, defiling you and defiling all those around you. That's what the Bible says will happen. Or get out of prison. Get out of that emotional. Get out of that boat. Come on. Forgive that person and walk on emotional water, emotional health. Get your mental peace back. Slam the door on Satan who wants you just have them around the throat. Do you know what unforgiveness is? It's the poison that you drink hoping the other person will die. Maybe it's giving radically. I remember when I was in business, we determined that we were going to give a certain percentage of our profit to the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, after we made that decision, our, our business blew up. It was amazing. Maybe it is believing for revival at your school. Like, oh, come on, seriously, you've never been to my school. Hey, the worse it is, the better opportunity for the supernatural. Pick the kid you think is the farthest away from God. Target that person in prayer. Usually, this is what I found, the people that seem to be the farthest are actually the closest because they're the most miserable, so they're just acting out. Write their name down on a piece of paper and pray for them every day and watch what happens. Believe God for more salvations in your school this year than ever before. Believe God for innovations in your business. Do you know the compound bow? You know where that came from? A brother prayed. He was in business and asked God for a design of, of something special, and he saw a piece of paper float down in a dream with the design of the compound bow on it, and that's where that came from. We are supposed to be living adventurous lives with the God of all creation. What about starting a mercy organization? Do you know this, all this uh, social justice fervor? Do you know it's not, it's not new? Social justice has been going on for a long, long time. And do you know over the last couple hundred years who has led the charge, who has made most all of the social reforms in the world? Christians, and many of them pastors. The abolition of slavery. Wilberforce, the right for women to vote, the abolishing of child labor, or how about the civil rights movement of the 60s with Martin Luther King Jr.? He was a Baptist preacher. The church has always led reformation, making wrongs right in the earth. Jesus, that's what he came to do. James, the only time the word religion is even used in the New Testament, he said, this is true, undefiled, undefiled and pure religion, taking care of the widows and the orphans. God hates oppression. So this is a great testimony. It all begins with stepping out of the boat. I got a testimony from Christina and Olivia Williams, and their family has gone through a recent tragedy that has really brought grief and sorrow to the family, and they're in the midst of it. And, and she heard me preaching on the goats and the sheep at the end of the, end of the times when Jesus separates the goats from the sheep, and the goats are the ones who live for themselves, and the sheep are the ones who are helping the poor and the needy and the naked and the lost and then imprisoned and visiting them. And, and uh, so that just really gripped them. It's like, here we are sitting in our own sorrow, which is understandable. And they thought, we have got to break out. We got to step out of this boat and go do something and make a difference in this world. So you know what they did? They live in Escondido. And it says, while listening to last Sunday's sermon, I got a vision of a spray bottle in my head, the kind you use to clean things. I was thinking about how hot it is outside and how hot the homeless must be 
I decided to do something right then before I lost my nerve. See, you could think of that as just a tiny thought. He said, oh, that's silly. I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody. About, I'm, that's silly. No, she thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this thought. So Olivia and I went, which is her teenage daughter, went to the 99-cent store and bought all six spray bottles that they had. I also bought some snacks and baby wipes. The next day, we went out and looked for homeless people. I wasn't sure where to go, but the image of Washington Street thought came into my mind. So I headed over to Washington Street in Escondido. With one, within one hour, we had given out six spray bottles with snacks to people uh, walking on the street. I got to pray for two people. One of them asked God, asked if God could remove the hate in his heart. Another man just asked to pray for the world and to have more nice people like me in it. <laughs> this was such a great experience to share with my 14-year-old daughter. We had both been down and depressed for the last week because of the recent death in our family. But both of us were so happy after that. Thank you for giving us that message. Getting out of ourselves was just what we needed to help overcome the feelings of sadness. That could be a major breakthrough for many of you de de uh, dealing with depression and, and sadness and sorrow and, and, and uh, suicide ideation. I understand. But if you get outside of yourself and begin to help someone else, I'm telling you, it'll break. Start serving. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a sacrifice for many. You step out. That's radical. That's adventurous faith. And so it says it was fun to watch these homeless men and women get these spray bottles and squirt each other to cool off. One guy said, wow, what a great idea. And I told them it was from Jesus. Thanks for the encouragement to push us to serve. I'm doing this to Jesus. They had to step out of their comfort zone and beyond their personal grief. And then we read on. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. What happened to Peter? He took his eyes off of Jesus. In this chaos in our country right now, in this world, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. You take them off Jesus, you're looking at the news, you're looking at TikTok all day long, you're looking at you know, all these social justice uh, riots, and you're looking, and it's just the anxiety and the fear and the worry, and oh, the sky's falling. You're not looking at Jesus. That's not his, his demeanor, his posture. He'll calm you down and he'll speak to you and he will give you something proactive to do that will make a difference. That's what he did with Peter. Look at this. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Not just why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? Now, his rebuke wasn't a, a condemning thing. Like, oh, Peter, seriously? No, he's coaching him. He's like, oh, Peter, man, you walked on water, dude. Why don't you just keep looking at me, you know? I mean, can you imagine Peter sitting around with the boys, you know, on, on shore or somewhere down at the, the local whatever, the, the what would they have? Uh, 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 falafel shop. And, uh, and they're like, dude, you sank. Ah, uh, you got out of the boat, but you sank. You know, that's when people step out and try to do something supernatural for God and they maybe fail. It doesn't come out. And people are like, see, I told you that. I told you you were ridiculous. I told you that was illogical and stupid, right? Those are the people sitting on the boat while everybody else is, others are trying to step out and do something. You know what Peter could say back to him? Dude, I walked on water. 
<laughs> you were sitting in the boat watching everything. But look, Peter also knew as he stepped out with adventurous faith to do something for Jesus. He knew who to cry out for in the middle of it. He didn't look to someone else to save him. He didn't try to save himself. He looked back to Jesus and Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and pulls Peter up. I love our Jesus. He's trying to teach us how to walk on water, how to step out in adventurous faith, how to be world changers. Don't you want to be a world changer? You don't want to live your life bored, fearful, just waiting to see what happens next. Make something happen next. Believe God for something. I think about a couple of brothers in our church, Mike and Mark Nelson. They love to surf. They saw some guy hobbling down the beach. They said, what's wrong? He said, well, one of my legs is shorter than the other. So they said, well, let's pray. And his leg grew out right there, right in front of him. The guy's wife came running up as the guy's doing, you know, jumping up on the, on the bench, up and down like this. And she goes, what are you doing? And he said, they just prayed for me, and my leg just grew out. And his, his foot also, his toes had been numb, and he couldn't even move his toes or anything. And, and they said, is this true? She goes, yeah, this is true. They got, he got healed right there. I mean, you said, well, I could never do that. Well, yes, you can, but it's never going to happen if you don't step out. I was at Supercuts a while back, and I, the lady said my, her shoulder hurt from cutting hair. I said, well, let me pray. I laid hands on her, and she fell on the floor and the power of God. It was a trip. I mean, that was something. And then she got up. She was overwhelmed. She goes, what is this? I said, that's the power of God. And you know what? She got saved and she got healed from something that happened to her down at the river when she was 12 years old. And she's lived with the self-hatred from that experience when she was a 12-year-old girl and she was in her 50s. She's in her 50s now. And Jesus healed her heart, not just her shoulder. I had to step out and take a risk and just lay my hand on the lady's shoulder in supercuts. I didn't know that was going to happen. So glad it did. I'm so glad I stepped out of the boat. Be willing to look like a fool for Jesus. Peter did it. And then we're going to close with this. Then when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. Isn't that interesting that the wind stopped as soon as they got in the boat? Jesus can stop your storm whenever he wants to. You say, well, why doesn't he? He's training you. He's teaching you to believe, to have faith, to believe for something supernatural. He wants you to bring the kingdom, his kingdom, on earth right now, just like he did in the first century, in his mighty name. Step out. Take a risk. What is Jesus calling you to do? Who is he calling you to be? And why aren't you doing it? What are you afraid of? I want to encourage you today. Step out. Take a risk. And just watch what Jesus might do through you. Alright, will you pray with me? Just put your hand over your heart. Let's pray this prayer. Let's pray this out loud. Jesus, I'm asking you just like Peter did. Call me out onto the water. Show me what you want me to do for your kingdom's sake. 
Now just get quiet for a moment and just wait to see what might come into your mind. Okay, now some of you, I'm sure the Holy Spirit, He's not going to waste this opportunity. I'm sure He just put something in your mind that He wants you to step out and do. Do it. See what He does. If nothing happened right then for you, do that prayer again later and just listen. And just wait to see what Jesus might say to you. And I'm encouraging you to step out in faith. If you've never received Jesus before as your Savior, He is the Savior of the world. And He will forgive you for anything you have ever done. He's coming to you right now in your lostness and he wants you to be found in him he wants you to be his follower he wants to forgive you of your sins and give you access into heaven to be with him forever but you need to pray this prayer with me for that to happen so if that's you and you want to have the peace of jesus and the forgiveness for your sins put your hand over your heart and pray this prayer out loud say jesus I haven't believed in you up till this point, but I do now. Or I haven't asked you into my life yet, but I am now. Jesus, be the Savior of my life. I'm turning my life over to you now. And I'm going to keep my eyes on you. pray that prayer i'd love to hear from you please make a comment in the thread below and uh reach out and i want to pray with you and uh encourage you in your faith along the way all right god bless you thanks for letting me preach to you today and i'll see you again next sunday pastor josh is going to come and close us in a song of worship